0: we're here again and um <laughs> and, funny enough just saying
1: that phrase reminds me of um when Bibi was sorry bernard could you unmute yourself unmute mine there we are yeah yeah i just said that phrase we're
0: together again and it, it suddenly reminded me of when Bibi was lecturing at Taylor's uh, in KL. And I came up from Perth, I think, it must have been, years ago, and she, and the Students' Union gathering was going on, and I always remember them setting off on the meeting where I was speaking with the song, We're Together Again, just praising the Lord. Do you remember that one, Bibi? And I was sort of um, quite amazed at all these young people. We're just together again, just praising the Lord. And I don't know how long ago that is, 92-ish or something, 93. But, um, <clears throat> you know, it is wonderful to be together. And of course, being together like this, obviously, uh, some of us, will have been carrying some people on our hearts that we know from Afghanistan Amen. and continuing to carry them. Hardly an hour goes by when I don't consciously lift up those we know there mm-hmm. that the will of the Lord be done. And we were just at our one of the church meetings around here that we go to and try and help. and. Uh, I managed to encourage them to pray for the situation, something which to some of them is completely new to even think that any could suffer for Jesus' sake and that some might be called to that. So I'm, I take it that you, that you, you in Malaysia particularly will we, we'll be much more alert to those things in Afghanistan. I can always remember back in the late 90s when I used to go up to Peshawar in Pakistan and that was the time when the Russians had given up uh, interfering in things in Afghanistan and the Taliban had taken over the first time and the thousands of refugees who'd come across the border out of Afghanistan and were in camps around Peshawar and um, pretty wild area that is <clears throat> the Khyber Pass and all that if you know anything about history and uh, the stories that some of those Afghan refugees had of what they had come out from and it wasn't just the Christians but those who had any sympathies at all with the West. And so uh, let's just keep it all much on our hearts and be spoken to of the Lord through it. And that leads us on to Habakkuk, remember his name, means to embrace the one who embraces, um, he approached God with complaints, uh, with questionings. He was confused as to events that were happening to the people of God. He loved the people of God. And he was one of the people of God. And he knew that the people of God were in a confused state themselves generally speaking you could use one word to describe the state of the tribes based in Jerusalem at the time already the northern kingdom made up of 10 tribes had uh, sinned so much that God had had to permit Babylon to enter in there and decimate them and basically cart two thirds of them away into other parts of the empire, the Babylonian empire, the Chaldean empire, carted them away and left the other third in the area of Samaria, which of course was the capital. And then they had brought in a lot of other people, they'd imported them, this is how they diluted the nationalism, because they would have been afraid of nationalism, that the empire might be uh, destroyed by nationalism. I don't know whether you're aware, but um, Stalin uh, and Lenin, Lenin first and then Stalin, killed many more people than Hitler ever did between 20 and 30 million people over a couple of decades they killed and it was for a similar reason anything that might threaten the empire and so if you were a Kazakh from what's now Kazakhstan if you were a Chechen it didn't matter what you were from any national group they would be carted off in waves between 20 and 30 million people. And uh, uh, that's, that's what occurred. And so this was occurring. We're right biblically, when we look at Habakkuk, we are right in the midst of things circumstantially now. You all remember that Hebrews chapter 12 um, you know it, it, it's all about the, the sons of God coming under discipline and looking under Jesus and very wonderful chapter and uh, you know it, it it finishes with the shakings mm-hmm. that there's a shaking I'm going to shake uh, there are going to be tremors like a massive earthquakes going to be coming, and I have no doubt that, um, in some ways, even what's happening in Afghanistan is a further shock to the world system. Um, a further shock, and um, when you see pictures of the folly of the United States and their policy, followed closely by the British government and the French and so on. Truly, the word of the Lord Jesus is right. We are in a time when the blind are leading the blind, governmentally. The blind are leading the blind. And thus, you know what is going to occur. Uh, they shall both fall into the ditch. This is how Jesus spoke right to the heart of things. He always spoke. And so in Habakkuk's day, you understand the difference between Habakkuk and the average Jew, the average person of God in those days. And there were others like him. There are others like him, but the average Jew in those days was carnal, 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 self-loving, God a mere convenience. They had gotten a measure of wealth, self-satisfaction. this was their condition. And but Habakkuk cared. Habakkuk, cared and you know how it begins in chapter one that he he declares himself and this is slightly unusual the oracle of God which Habakkuk the prophet saw he declares himself to be a prophet remember that one of the things that Jesus said would first occur when nations rise against nations and shakings begin to come. Check me up in Matthew 24. He said that false Christs and false prophets would emerge. That's what he said. And of course, he wasn't just talking about the world. He was talking about the churches as well. False Prophets force Christ. And Habakkuk, of course, declares himself to be a prophet. And really, if I may point this out to you, if you look here in verse one of chapter one, and then the first words he says in verse two, and this is one of the ways you will begin to discern the true from the false as far as prophetic ministry is concerned. There'll be absolutely nothing light and casual about a true prophet. The thing that you will uh, immediately find is this kind of cry that he cried in verse two. Oh, Lord, and you look at your Bible and you see that the word Lord, Lord, he doesn't say, oh God, he doesn't say, oh Jesus, uh, in the, you know, he says, oh Lord, it's in the uppercase, capital letters, it's the name Yahweh, uh, sometimes translated Jehovah. The one who was, and the one who is, and the one who is to come, the one who is, the one who pe- appeared and spoke to Moses, and he did not say to Moses, I am, uh, I'm a Lord, I'm Lord, lor small letters he he said i'm yahweh i was i am i shall be hallelujah and immediately you breathe the reverence the submission because he's going to ask questions of god but not God he's arguing with and saying, well, I've got a better opinion than you. You should do this and you should do that. He's coming to God with these incredible, this wonderful attitude. Oh Lord, whatever's happening. Why is Samaria gone pear-shaped and, and all the horrible things that were happening around that event. And now Jerusalem is being surrounded and the, the ominous power of the empire and then the stupid kings, though one or two were wise and brought about a temporary revival, but the stupid kings that were rising in in Jerusalem and in the palace, you can read about some of them like Zedekiah. They thought that they could palliate Babylon. They thought that they could uh, just give them a little bit and uh, that so some of them gave some of the temple treasures to them. Mm. But Habakkuk was a man of God. And he feared God. And um, I was speaking last Sunday morning in a meeting. And, uh, you know, I said to them all that, you know, to the fear of the Lord, to fear God. Every preacher must fear God more than his congregation. The people he's talking to, he must fear God more than anything else. And, <clears throat> and so you begin to breathe the atmosphere of, it's as though there's no one else in the, congrega- uh, in the congregation, no one else listening. Um, it's, it's just Habakkuk humbly uh, coming to the one who has the key to everything. And uh, he's not coming to the loving God, the tender God. He's just coming to the Lord. And he knows that the Lord has an, is a merciful God. He knows that, but he's coming to God. And there's violence everywhere. And there's all these things happening. And he knows without a shadow of a doubt that the nation is carnal. And if I put it into New Testament terms, the Christians are carnal. We're generalizing, there are exceptions, but they're carnal, self-loving, pleasing themselves and that kind of thing. He knows that, you see, because there are two knowledges that go together consistently when God is working in your life. One is the growing knowledge of God as holy, love, purposeful will, ruling all things. And with that, there is the knowledge that goes hand in hand with it that you and I are nothing and that the nations are nothing and that sin is terrible. So terrible that Jesus had to die to remove it. And these are the knowledges. And that's why he's keenly aware, not only of God, but he's keenly aware of violence. Verse two, violence, violence. You, he's keenly aware of trouble, verse 3. He's keenly aware of destruction and violence. These things are before me. He's, he's talking not only at that moment. He's not only referring because the prophet doesn't just look at things that are now. By the way, I... I'd like to throw this out to you. True prophecy, you know, is not particularly personal in the sense of someone giving you a personal word. The true prophet is seeing things in this vast picture. And he's he's seeing not only what's happening in Israel now. Uh, among uh, the people of the Jews now, he's seeing the inevitable outcomes that are going to flow. He can see in the spirit that if things don't dramatically change in the nation, if uh, you know what's going to happen, Babylon is going to take them. Nebuchadnezzar is going to come. And they are going to be put through the ringer. They're really going to go through it. And, <clears throat> you know, God answers him, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Uh, look among the nations. And these things uh, are all related to the vision that the Lord is giving his prophet. And if I said to you, central in the vision that the Lord is giving to his prophet... Is You could say this phrase, fear not, I am working. You could say that. That what, and I'm not only working, I'm working with a purpose. Uh, uh, you're not at the end of the story yet, Habakkuk. Um and so God answers him. And because God answers a humble-hearted, questioning prophet who is humbly waiting before God, not arguing with God. You understand there is an argumentation. Maybe you've had it. Why did you let this happen to me? Oh, why did you let this happen to my family? Why did you let me? You know, why? there's not that kind of attitude in him. Oh God, I don't understand what you're doing, why you're allowing such wickedness to rise up in great power. Uh, I don't understand it. And um, you know, God speaks to him, you know, and explains a little, and it comes like light to dear Habakkuk. And he responds to God sharing the light that he's begun to see. It's from verse 12 of chapter one. And uh, you know, the light that he sees puts God first. You, you may, uh, if you think about, can you think of a book of the Bible that's very much longer than Habakkuk, where something similar to this takes place? Um, uh, with a man. Now, this man doesn't declare himself to be a prophet. This man, of course, is a wealthy man with family and land and all the rest of it. And he himself suffers personal loss oh. dramatically. And I'm talking, of course, of Job. And you remember how all the different sort of belief systems uh, come to Job. Uh, three friends gather around him because he's in a mess. His wife just tells him to curse God and die, which he, he just can't do. I, I can't do that. So the wife must have just sat there in her misery and soaked herself in her misery and perhaps listened to these guys, you know, the best thing they ever did was keep quiet for seven days. But anyway, then they opened their mouth to explain well, the reasons why this had happened, that had happened and the other had happened. And then, you know, having exhausted themselves and Job having exhausted his arguments to them, his counter arguments, the debate ended. You know, the, the younger man comes up and talks more sense than all of them. And uh, he, he talks more sense, but then he shuts up. And at last, the voices come to silence. And then God speaks. When the human voices and the human uh, philosophizing stop, and the, you know, standard explanations cease. You know, it takes a long time to come to that place for some of us more than others, where we just shut up and listen. Uh, just shut up and listen. And then God will speak. And you remember that God did not explain himself, particularly. He does counter arguments. He just countermounds what Job said. By saying, now, were you there when I did this? Were you there when I created? It? Were you there? Did you see it? Did you behold? Have you considered mm-hmm. the way everything so perfectly fits together? Do you think there's anything casual? That's the implication with what I'm doing. Look at the way I fitted the creation together. Think of the things that I set in their places. Now just consider it. Were you there? Now just consider it. And God, uh, Job almost has nothing to say. Says a few things. Then God comes and speaks to him again. It's very wonderful. And Job is in an attentive frame of mind and heart. And you remember how he is blessed. He prays for his friends. You remember not only is he blessed in his spiritual man, his inner man, his intelligent man, his understanding, but he becomes blessed in material things as well. It's very wonderful when you think of it. And something similar is happening to Habakkuk. I, I enjoy Habakkuk. I always have done because among the most important words in my life have been those first few verses of chapter two. But anyway, before we get there, just consider how Dear Habakkuk responds to what God has said. And uh, oh, I'm beginning to understand. You have established. Oh, you've established
1: what happened with the Twin Towers for chastisement. 20 years ago. You, you, you have established these enemies for chastisement. You're wanting to do something with your church You're wanting to you're wanting to do among other things,
0: something wonderful for your people. You're, you're seeming to allow everything to be like the fish of the sea, human beings to be like fish of the sea, you know, like the crawling things that have no ruler, verse 14 of chapter one, you know, and it seems that the, the, the people, the cruel, cruel, cruel empire is just fishing out with a hook, as it pleases them, cruelly, and or putting their fishing net in their big seine net, and gathering up the fish by the hundreds, you know, you, 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 know, you couldn't care less, that's what it appears like. And, and then not only are you allowing that to happen, but you're allowing those that do it to exalt, and rejoice. Verse 15. He gathers them in his fishing net. He rejoices and he exults, and then he sacrifices to his nets. You know, when I think of this, I have to say to you in all, all frankness and clarity, I think of this with Silicon Valley people. Oh, aren't we great? Aren't we great? We've, we've got the internet. We, we've got our algorithms. We, we can, we can deal with people just like fish. Poor Bernard, you know, still fighting to use cash. You see, because, you know, that way, at least not everybody knows what everything we're doing and everything I'm buying so that the algorithms hit me again and then these predatory scientists and technicians and Wall Street tycoons and the George Soros' of this world who just take pleasure drunk with power. It's all here, it's all here in Habakkuk, drunk with power just using human beings like fish oh lord you're allowing it you're allowing it you're allowing it and you're even allowing these people in babylon to worship their own nets and their own skills and you think of richard dawkins and some of the brilliant minds. souls so-called, the professors in the universities, the lecturers that, uh, you know, it happened in Russia. It's happening in China. China shall rise and rise and rise and rise and they shall worship their race. And they shall worship their expertise, and they shall worship their tricky ways, Of and soon Taiwan will fall, and the West will be too weak to do anything about it, and so it shall go on. Hast thou not allowed it? Oh. Hast thou not allowed it? Will you let them go on? So chapter one finishes. Are you going to allow it to keep on emptying his net and then taking another draught? You know, another host of fish, of human being? Will you allow it all to go on mercilessly slaying nations forever? Isn't it a, a dramatic picture, so relevant to today? I think of some of my young Christian friends in the United States who uh, go to the university, and the first thing that they hit is a merciless professor who, learning that they're a Christian, will target them every lecture, mock them, scoff them, and all the rest of it, because they are following their stupid dream of humanism, their stupid dream that, uh, you know, this is the seriousness. We really are in a battle. And here is dear, we call him dear Habakkuk, I understand this man uh, personally, because there's been a part of me that's been living like this for 55 years. When I was still at work, I was like this. I took no lunch for many years in the place where I worked. I went to hide behind piles of logs and timber in the timber yard, in the frost and snow sometimes, and other times, and I went behind those logs because I felt God drawing me to withdraw. Now, if I sum up verse one of chapter two, then I have to say to you this that the sum total is that God has a prophet, a man
1: who with, will withdraw and wait and watch and stand like a sentry, a watchman,
0: someone who not, will not pray, not praying, he's just standing, he's you know, he said his words to God from verse 12 to 17 of chapter 1. Now he'll listen. And in order to listen, brothers and sisters, and some of you, and Sammy, when he prayed at the beginning, he, he, he prayed about being mature. Uh, did you catch that? He prayed that... Lord, that we might be mature. Amen, my brother. You know, and you know, those who are mature, they, they withdraw. They stand, let's read it. I will take my stand to watch and station myself on the tower and look forth to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. You know, I don't know, this is a message for another time, but have you ever noticed in the Gospel of John that uh, John never uses the word apostles? You know, he's quite beyond titles. You know, he, he, when he talks to his men,
1: you know, he uses this word, my disciples. And then he says, my friends. My friends. Chapter 15, my disciples. And then he says
0: the word servants, they don't know, but friends know, my friends. And then in chapter 20, he says to Mary, says to her, you go and tell my brethren.
1: Isn't that lovely? Lovely. My brethren, see, my servants, my
0: disciples, you, you, mustn't, you, you mustn't ever decry, you know, because there is a teaching that flies around now, you know, oh, we've grown up into sonship sort of thing, we're sons, we're sons, you know, don't talk about being servants and slaves, slaves. God's slaves, the Lord's slaves, very precious. You know, you remember Eliezer, the, uh, the servant of Abraham? Wonderful, entrusted the key things of the future to this servant, Eliezer. You remember that? And you know, but he, he causes his friends. I, I, I let my friends know what I'm doing. I always remember in Sydney, Australia, uh, friends over there when we used to go across there regularly and do meetings in various places and we had many friends there. But I remember one wife describing her husband and she said, she said you know, my husband has many mates, but no friends. Friend is someone you share your heart with in camera. You know, he won't bleat about it. He, you, you know that he'll be the honesty of a friend who will come to you and the Lord Jesus said, I've called you my friends, my friends. And he calls them my brethren, my brethren. Lovely words, if you think about them. And when you think of Habakkuk, you see, oh, this man is his friend. This Habakkuk man, ready to embrace what God will show. And uh, so he stands separate. He withdraws. He stands. I always remember in Cyprus, you may not know this, but in Cyprus, on the Greek side of Cyprus, you know, it's divided into halves, Turkish side and Cypriot side. And uh, some of our young friends, in fact, all the young men, they have to do two years uh, in military service. And, uh, you know, they have to go off, they have to learn to fire guns and do this, that, and the other. But their major duty is to go on the border and man the sentry boxes. That's, that's what they do, that's their major duty. Eight hours on, you're just standing there in the box, in the heat, you know, it was up 45, 46 degrees Celsius um, uh, recently in Cyprus, got a bit cooler now, but up in the box, no aircon up there, and they're just manning the border. Sounds a strange thing. You say, isn't the UN there? Yeah, the UN's there, but they're not manning the border. Um, and so you've got that picture there. Century, and I will look forth, I will stand, I will wait, and station myself on the tower and look forth. You know, dear Habakkuk is expectant that he will become acquainted, God will share with him, with his friend.
1: And then Verse 2, the Lord answered me, write the vision. Make it
0: plain upon tablets, so he may run who reads it. Uh, quite, a, quite a vivid picture there, by the way. You know that uh, they used to... Um, have wax, okay, so they would make a great big um, frame out of boxwood, light timber, light wood, they would make it, it would have a base to it, and they would fill it with wax. And then they would write the important
1: messages on this wax and then in some places they would
0: hang it up on the wall like a kind of newspaper hoarding hanging there uh, and people coming by could read the news. They could read the news and then they could run to carry the good news. Or the news of explanation of what was happening. They could run. The person who read it could run and it was made plain and this is the picture behind it and uh, sometimes they actually inscribed it on stones and the person actually ran with it and posted it somewhere so that other people in another area could could read it so you've got this whole idea of news, of information, of what is happening. Uh, so often, it was good news. And you're to write the vision. The Lord answered me, write the vision. And make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it I mean you would want to carry good news you know wouldn't you um, you would want to do it you read it hanging there newly written good news and you want to run to other people in the village or town in order to bring them and you see the vision here we come write the vision. Now, what I'm talking about at the moment, about God and about the powers of wickedness, about empires, uh, about the carnal church, about God's purposes of sifting and pruning, it's all part of the vision. The vision, I think it was, I don't know whether it was on one of these Zooms or another one, but I know someone started singing, My Goal is God Himself. It's, it was Fred, I think, Fred and Nell. Um, you know, on, a, on, on another time, you know, my goal is God Himself. First, you see the vision is God. Second, the vision is God working. Third, the vision is God finishing. Fourth, finishing what? Finishing his judgments. Finishing the enemy right off. Perfecting his church. You see, the vision is mighty. It's God working, God perfecting his church, God stripping his church, God using things to discipline his church, God who so loves his church, his people. Hallelujah. God at the same time allowing all of the pride of man in all the departments of man's soul to come to its full fruition and be exposed as a lot of hot air,
1: a lot of hot air. Communism, Stalin, Lenin,
0: Khrushchev, Brezhnev. You know, you remember them all? A lot of hot air. Demons. You see, and now to think of what is happening in, say the United States and Europe, you know, the endeavors to have a sanitized communism that they call socialism. You know, I'm not being political now. You've got it up in Canada, Trudeau, the snap election, Canadian citizens just being fish in his net, you see. That is the truth of it. This is the truth of it mm-hmm. from God's pers- perspective. Gone are the days of the, of the people who really cared for their nation and seeked. Gone are the days who had a sense of divine call mm-hmm. Even someone like Churchill had a sense that destiny had separated him to a particular purpose. That, you know, these are serious things that we talk about. This is all part of the vision, you see. It's all part of the vision. And of course, in, 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 in I think of Malaysia you see, and all of the uh, ebbs and flows. I got in trouble in a conference down there in Kuching a good few years ago now, when I was speaking at a pastor's retreat, you know, and there was uh, an election coming up. And I said to the pastors, this is not what it's all about, brethren. You want Mahathir out and you want this ruling party out and everything's going to be right when, we you know, the others get in and it'll all come right. And I said, there is no savior coming from the hands of men. You know, God is our savior. And, you know, some of those pastors really went for me afterwards. They really gave me a telling off. And then maybe three years later or two years later, they apologized to me when I was next down there in Kuching because they realized, you see, put not your trust in princes. Put not, this is not the calling of the church. Put not your trust in the, the Republican wing. Put not your trust in those things. You see, you and I have got to see the vision, the vision. You've got to see it in its various parts. And if you didn't see it in the light of this wonderful God of ours, who's working out his loving purpose through all things. We have to understand that it would overcome us to see the negatives. But there's nothing really negative about it. It's all in the flow. And then it says in verse 3 of chapter 2,
1: he says, uh, still the vision awaits its time. But it hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow,
0: and I have to say this to you, there are times when I think of those who suffered, oh, brothers and sisters, when I think of what's happening in Afghanistan and what might happen
1: if it seems slow, wait for it, it shall surely come. You know, the some of you, have, I don't know whether you know
0: what a spaghetti Western is. Anyone know what a spaghetti Western is? A spaghetti Western or ones that Clint Eastwood starred in and uh, cowboys, cowboys. Clint was always the hero. You know, in a peculiar kind of way, doing good. But you know, they were called spaghetti westerns because they were filmed in southern Italy, uh, hence the spaghetti. <laughs> and um, anyway, one of the things I always remember about these movies, especially one of them, what it was named, what I don't remember. But Hero Clint is dealing with some real baddies in a certain town and these baddies smash him to bits and he's a wreck, and he's rescued, and his hands are damaged, and I don't know what, and evil's on the throne, and good is wrecked, and, but looked after. And then, of course, we wait through two hours <laughs> of this movie to at last see justice satisfied, you know, and all the baddies get their desserts, you know what I'm getting at? And I guess some of you have been there, some of you are smiling, I can see your faces. So it obviously reno, re, re, resonates a little bit with you. But, oh, you know, there's nothing callous about God, but the heart cries for justice,
1: the heart cries and god cries but if it seem long wait for it
0: vengeance is mine says the lord
1: don't you get involved with it don't you get involved with it if it seem long wait
0: for it it shall surely come you know we are back to this lovely little story that Jesus told about the the field being the world. You remember, and a farmer having this field and planting his seed in it, and then a, an enemy planting another seed, and and then the desire to pluck up the bad seed, and then the master said, No, 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 no! Don't don't do that. Don't do it. this is Matthew thirteen. If you want to look it up. And the disciples were so intrigued by this that they pursued Jesus into the house. Because uh, Jesus didn't interpret it to the multitude, only to the disciples. He said, this is the interpretation. Both got to grow together to harvest.
1: We don't pluck it all up too early. Both to harvest. The
0: true seed coming to its harvest, blessed church, blessed people of God, including multitudes from a Jewish background, yeah, coming to their harvest and gathered into the granary of God. And then wickedness being gathered into bundles and burned. You see, wait let it come to harvest let the whole field of the world come to harvest the end shall not come until all nations and tribes and peoples have heard and some from every tribe and nation have responded to the Lord from every corner of the field of the world from every nation from every tribe. Jesus said that, then shall the end come. Looking at the end, you see from different perspectives and angles, that's the thing, this is the vision. The field belongs to me, you know, and as you go down through this chapter, that's one of the reasons why you know, look at verse 12. I'm rushing on a little bit, um, but just, just, just sort of a little bit from this.
1: Woe to him who builds a town with blood. Stalin. What, 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 what sort of foreign policy has
0: Britain had? you know prosperity through blood profiting you know i i was once in guinea west africa preaching there and one of the places i preached was out in this little shed of a place in the midst of what was like a moonscape because Western companies had gone in there. There was obviously a mineral there, and they had decimated the whole area. It was like a moonscape. And these blackened workers were living in little huts built around this shed like place, and some of them were Christians. And we had a meeting or two there, and I thought then, yes. Here's the exploitation, building a town with blood and founds a city on iniquity. Behold, it's not from the Lord of hosts, verse 13, that peoples labor only for fire.
1: The nations weary themselves for naught. And then he says this, doesn't he? For the earth
0: shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Isn't that remarkable? There's a day coming when all that man has built shall be committed to fire. And the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. He shall show his mighty arm. And if you, if you look at verse 9. Woe to him who gets evil gain for his house. To set his nest on high. To be safe from the reach of harm. You have devised shame to your house by cutting off many peoples. You have forfeited your life for the stone will cry out from the wall. I wonder if you believe this. And the beam from the woodwork respond, whatever's he's saying, you've built on the backs of people. You have made yourself high beyond reach of harm, off the backs of people. And you have built this and that off the backs of people, they perished, doing it for you, you've made them slaves. And then he says, even the very beams you've used in your building and the very stones cry out. Did you know that things have voices? Did you know I think of India now and my times in India and remember buildings there. And uh, the abuse that's been going on for centuries when I hear people talking about. Blacks and this and that and the other one of the things I say to them in their quest for social justice. I said it to a couple of young people just recently. You're just not going far
1: enough back. Just go further back. The native Indians
0: in the United States, you talk about the whites abusing, which they did, were abusing one another and enslaving one another for centuries before that. And where my family comes from, though you don't know this, in the south of Italy, did you know that they were enslaved at times by landowners and that and the other A serfdom? You see, this is the wickedness and so from the bloods of perhaps some of my forebears, some people in southern Italy became dukes and duchesses and wealth, incredible. And so it goes on, and this is all part of the vision. But let's go back. So even the beams, you see God has a long memory in these things, that's the thing, the beams cry out. And if you go into I mean, I, I love this story uh, that came to me just while I think of this one. You know, one of the Spanish islands, Hazen and I have got to go to one of the Spanish islands at the end of October if everything's not closed down again to speak in a conference there in Ibiza. And uh, the workers, many of the workers work in hotel business and so on. It's the end of the season at the end of October. So we'll all come together. We've done it once before. But back in the 13th or 14th century, there was a godly monk whose name slipped out of my head momentarily. And he came from one of those islands, from the island of Mallorca. And he was so burdened from the, for the Islamic people down in Morocco and Algeria that he went down there. Several missionary journeys he spent down there. People thought he was mad. And then he went down there again and he was an old man. And he would preach publicly in the market square. And in the end, the Islamic people slaughtered him. And they shed his blood in the marketplace.
1: And there he died. I don't know what they did with his body. But fast forward to about 15 years ago. And there's one or two Islamic people who've had dreams
0: in that place. They've dreamed of Jesus. They've dreamed of Jesus speaking to them. And they've also dreamed of blood in the marketplace. And then some who become involved with those and lead those people to the Lord, do some inquiry back in history. What's this blood? And this is the very town, the very marketplace where 700 years earlier that old monk had given his life. You see, it, it, it cried out from the ground mercy because you know that the blood of martyrs has two things. It cries out, oh, mercy, mercy, and judgment, judgment. Mercy, mercy, judgment, judgment. But anyway, there you are. You go back into verse four, and it says this, Behold, he whose soul is not upright in him shall fail. Or you know, your Bible probably says, the soul who's not righteous gets proud. It's all puffed up. He whose soul is not right, an upright soul is humble before god an unrighteous
1: soul is full of his pride it's puffed up and then it says but the righteous soul
0: shall live by faith he shall live by faith or you may have a little version that says he shall live in his faithfulness he shall be abiding in faithfulness to God, the God who's giving this village a, a vision. It's all right. I'm working. It's all with purpose. The righteous soul quits his arguments, quits his complaints, just yields and says, oh, Lord you'll do right, you'll do right. You live in your faithfulness. I have to be faithful to God, you have to be faithful to God in all this. Moreover, you know, verse five, wine is treacherous, and the arrogant man shall not abide. His greed is as wide as Sheol, it like death. He never has enough. He gathers for himself all nations and collects as his own all peoples. It's, a, it's a remarkable, you know, to live in your faithfulness to God. That's where you got you got to live there. I've got to live there. Faithful to the vision that God is over it all. And, and you know, have I got enough time? Yes, I've got a little more time. Because perhaps we can take another week, another Sunday, to look at the remainder into chapter, this lovely chapter three. But if I just pointed this out to you, um, you notice five woes, because now that uh, um, now that Habakkuk is seeing these things and living in his faithfulness, and his questions are satisfied, and he's resting in God, and he's living in that, you 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 find that the prophetic
1: stream in him begins to flow in. in. Woe, 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 woe. Five woes. It's a song.
0: It's actually a dirge. You know what a dirge is? a funeral dirge, it's something in the minor key. It's something that is full of sorrow and grief and an ending and uh, you know, so he's got five woes. The first one is in chapter s- verse six, the second one is in verse nine. The third one is in verse 12, fourth one is verse 15. And then the final one is verse 19. And it's very wonderful because like all, you know, songs tell a story. Did you know that? Choruses tell a story. They start on a home key and a home note and they range around and they range around and then they return and they've, they've made their journey. And this, and often, if you remember some of them, they start, some of the choruses of today start like this. They're rather dirge like in their beginnings. And then at last, you're kind of spending the first four lines waiting, when are they going to get off this? You know, and then at last it rises to a triumph. To a triumph. Um, do you know the old song that goes like this? Um, Low in the grave he lay Jesus my Saviour He tore the bars away Jesus my Lord, now we've got to go somewhere into some triumph. Up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph for his foes. He arose up. From the dark domain, and he lives forever with his saints to reign. He arose, he arose. Hallelujah! Christ arose. Now you've got the story there. Started low and then moves up to a point that it says up from the grave he arose a mighty victor or his foes he arose a victor from the dark domain and he lives forever with his saints to reign and then he arose he arose hallelujah he arose and you've got something a little like that in this dirge song of Habakkuk where he says, oh, whoa, what a strange thing, you know, I don't know whether you should go outside Wall Street, Goldman Sachs and all the rest of it and start singing, Woe to him who heaps up what is not his own,
1: verse six, you know, for how long? and loads himself
0: with pledges, makes everybody promise this and promise that B.B. could give us a lecture on it all. Oh, that's a work, finance. Or oh, loads himself with pleasures. Lo, I am rich, you see. Will not your debtors suddenly arise and those who awake will make you tremble? then you will be booty for them how about that because you've plundered many nations he's, he's in revelation he's understanding he's in the vision he sees what's going on wait babylon has taken pledges it's sub it's submitted people you know, it's, it's abused them. Babylon has built its beautiful buildings and all the rest of it. And the very planks of wood and stones that they've robbed from other places are speaking. Isn't it amazing? And then the next woe, verse nine. It's just the same. You set yourself up on high. You know, I think of this, you know, with the differences. I don't know whether you saw a picture of Nancy Pelosi and some of the others, uh, $30,000 a ticket to have lunch with Nancy. And they're all sitting there at the table with all the knives and forks and all the rest of it, all maskless. And there they are. And then come the serfs, the, the servants coming along, be masked, and so on. You know, people set their nests on high. Oh my brothers and sisters, true prophets don't do that. They don't live in gated communities where they've got guards on the doors and that kind of thing. They don't do that. And they don't furnish their children with million dollar houses. True ministers don't do that. They live like dear old Billy Graham did. They they drive a, an ordinary Pontiac Parisienne all through the years as it was in those days. I don't think Pontiac is a mate now, but uh, wasn't a firebird, Fred, <laughs> or firefly, <laughs> you know, but dear Billy, hallelujah, hallelujah, you know, woe to him who builds a town with blood and founds a city on iniquity. That's verse 12. It's not from the Lord of hosts. You know, you could tire, by the way, if you like me, have read this through, I don't know how many times over the years, you could tire because you now at last, you see the Lord in this song. You know, it's not from the
1: Lord. It's not from the Lord of hosts that people labor only for fire. Nations
0: weary themselves for naught for the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. Isn't it wonderful to temper the vision of the negative with this wonder of what God is doing. And then you get to this fourth woe, woe to him. And this is a particularly horrifying one. Woe to those who makes his neighbors drink of the cup of his wrath, and makes them drunk, and to gaze on their shame. Could Nebuchadnezzar and his people have been doing this? You know, stripping the nation's bare, and then stripping them, making them naked, making them drunk, and then laughing at them, laughing at them, laughing at them. And then he names one nation, Lebanon, verse 17. Do you know what Babylon had done to Lebanon? Lebanon was rich in beautiful trees. You've heard of the cedars of Lebanon? Beautiful trees. It had minerals. It had but beautiful things of nature, and they had gone in there, and they had decimated it. Decimated it. The violence done to Lebanon will come. Is what it says. It will come to you, and the destruction of the beasts will terrify you, and the blood of men and violence to the earth. To cities of all who dwell therein. And then finally, he doesn't start with a woe this time in verse 10. He says, what prophet is an idol
1: whose maker has shaped it? A metal image, a teacher of lies. You know, my brothers
0: and sisters, there are times when I've been in universities and had the privilege of speaking in universities and to converse with some of the students and listening to the idolatry in universities. You know, they're worshiping their, the idols of their own making, rejecting God. You know, what prophet is an idol? You see, we don't so much. You know, when I think of some of the young people you know, that even I have met, of course, and they utterly idolize some rock star, some musician, some singer and that utterly idolize. And then these people come out with their statements supposed to be wise. And, you know, these young people who put their trust in these things, they're idols. They put their trust in their own creation. Verse 19. Woe to him who says to a wooden thing awake, to a dumb stone, arise! Can this give revelation? Behold, it's overlaid with
1: gold and silver, and there's no breath at all in it. Oh, look at that. And this is how the song concludes, but if you look back,
0: you will find that all the other woes finished with the word for, for the blood of men and violence, verse 17 at the end of the verse. For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, verse 14. For the stone will cry out. Verse 11. For the blood of men. You know that's the outcome. But then the whole dirge finishes with this verse 20. Not for. But. but.
1: The Lord is. All the way through. From beginning to end. From beginning to end. Right now. But the Lord is in his holy temple. And if I was to do this, everyone see me? That is what the rest of the verse means. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Hush! Don't say anything, just listen, just listen. Don't be scared by what's happening. Understand I'm working, I'm in my, all the way through. I'm in my holy temple, hush, hush, be still. Yes, you could say, be still and know that I am God. Hush. That's where he. That's his climax. That's his climax. That's his climax. The Lord is.
0: In his holy temple. When Sammy prayed.
1: He said Jesus. You're our rock. That's what he prayed. You're our rock. That's right. That's right. And there are times when our lives seem to be
0: like there a vessel that's tossed to and fro in a harbor place that's open to wind and
1: so on and but it's anchored. It's anchored, it's anchored out of sight. And out of sight, brothers and sisters.
0: I don't know how long we're going to move forward, how much longer? And people were talking to me, someone I was speaking to for an hour and a half last night on WhatsApp, actually from the United States. And he said to me, do you think it will be in 2030 and that will be
1: the end? And I said, I don't know. I don't know. But I know that these things, and I know that dear, dear Habakkuk, the prophet, you understand all that we're talking about here in the, his day, 2,600 years ago. You understand that there's a Babylon in the book of the Revelation. Yeah. And
0: she built herself up and she was carried by a beast on the horse. And she was great. And she persecuted God's people. You see, Babylon, she persecuted God's people. And God protected his people, and sometimes utterly miraculously rescuing them, utterly miraculously. And not only that, he perfected them and turned them into wonderful virgins. They were like crystal clear virginal bride for Christ. Uh, they were spotless with beautiful garments and so on. That's what he was doing with his people through it all. And uh, she became like the new Jerusalem, the bride of Christ. You know, this is the book of Revelation. And then you know how devoured the woman, Babylon, the whole system fell and collapsed. And then in time, the beasts were cast into the lake of fire and everything, and the dragon too. Hallelujah. And then the prophet and Habakkuk didn't see this except a glimmer, no doubt because that's what prophets even in those days saw. And I beheld the new Jerusalem descending from heaven as a bride prepared for her bridegroom. And So with that, I finish. Uh, blessed vision. This is the vision. Oh God, give me a vision and give me it's such a vision that's in the background of all my thinking and all my understanding, deeper and deeper, yet with all its seriousness, but with all its joy, so that I'm in the midst of the moment today and I'm able to weep with those that weep and leap with joy, with those who leap with joy, who are able to speak words of hope to the broken, you know i had a little interesting insight this week someone again wrote to me and said to me i don't know why but someone i love very much has been in touch with me and opened her heart to me and she she's going through tragedy and she came to me and I said, did you not understand why that was? That she came to you, a young woman, 28 or 30 years old, coming to you, 62 years old, because she knows that underneath all your muddles, you love Jesus and you've suffered. And you've been a man who's suffered.
1: And you're not going to
0: give her a trite evangelical answer. You're going to love her and speak of things with understanding. And she knows that. And that's why she's come to you. Hallelujah. Yeah, hallelujah. So may we be people of the vision more and more.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The vision. You probably know that the old monks and people like that talked about, you know, just seeing God. And they talked about climbing a ladder. Now, I don't believe you have to climb a ladder, but I do believe very much that we have to
1: come humbly, wait, watch, listen. And then hush, for the Lord is in his temple. And I think of you,
0: brothers and sisters in Malaysia. And I think of what's happening in the United States. And I think of all these things in Canada and Europe here. And I think, yes, the Lord is in his holy temple.
1: You know, I was up early this morning and just sitting there, hushed. <laughs> Do it more, brothers and sisters. Do it more and let your prayers
0: rise. Like dear old Habakkuk did in chapter three. We'll come to that next time.
1: Amen. I think that's enough from me, BB. Thank you. Amen. Would you like to lead us in prayer, Brother
0: Bernard? Yes, yes Father, dear, dear Father, you're
1: wonderful, Lord, you're wonderful. You have not
0: changed. I am the Lord, I change
1: not. You are love. You don't have love, you are love.
0: And you are light, you don't have some light. And you are will,
1: will to good. You are you are. You don't change. And uh, you're not going to change for Bernard's opinion
0: or Habakkuk's complaints. You're not going to change, Lord, because you know what you've done, Lord. Not only did you permit sin to come into the world, but you took full responsibility for it you sent your son you sent him to die and he willingly embraced your will you raised him for he was without sin but Lord you've taken full responsibility and to all
1: mankind you offer choice Lord choice to all mankind
0: we don't exactly know how all that works lord to those that have been scattered around the world we certainly know what it means lord to us to whom light has come oh lord you do shed light even a little light for some people's there's just been a little light beam shining through the darkness mm. of their idolatry and some have sought to walk in the light of that little light beam that they scarcely understood. Oh Lord, and some, Lord, reject light, little light or much light, may we be people for upon our hearts, the light has shined. Oh God, how wonderful you want to shine more light in my brothers and sisters here today. That's what you're trying to do so that we walk in that light with boldness. We walk in that light with not only boldness, but gladness not only walk in it with gladness, but with sobriety. Isn't it amazing, oh, Father, how the Lord Jesus leapt for joy at times. I thank you, Father. I thank you, Father, he's prayed. And then he wept, Lord. From one to the other, how wonderful these things are, Lord, that you, you, you bring us into this kind of life where we've got a holy gaiety, mm-hmm. a, a holy joy, and yet at the same time, mm. we have a sobriety about us. Sober people, oh Lord, we pray for your churches again, like we do almost every week, Lord. Mm in Malaysia, Afghanistan, the United States, Canada, Australia, Lord Malaysia. Mm-hmm. Oh, Father, 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 and other places. Oh, Father, your church, your church. Will you be drawing more people my, mm. into that watch place? like sentries watching yes. and coming to you uh, with the expectation, I will wait to see what he will say to me. Yes. And you yes. will show yourself Lord, like this. So go on with us all. Blessed Lord. Yes. Go on with us, Lord, because I know these kind of people are the foundations and anchors of the church. I
1: know that. Women who know the quiet place with you. Men who know it as
0: well. Pastors who know it. Leaders who know it. Elders who know it. And who are hearing from you, you. Lord, as they stand on their watch. And to whom things are becoming clearer in the mists of circumstances. Clearer, clearer, clearer. So let your churches come into increasing clearness. We pray for those who are younger, especially, that some of them will begin to turn from the din and the noise, mm-hmm. and they'll go behind their piles of logs or piles of wood to wait on you. Just withdraw, and at first, hardly get a thing to understand except a sense God is, God is god is hallelujah Amen. so go on with all these things for you're ahead of the game lord the Amen. satan's not in front Amen. he's behind you're ahead you're working out the counsels of your own will and we give you praise Amen. hallelujah Amen. thank you lord thank you you did allow sin thank you you took responsibility for it mm. in your own dear son yes. thank you lord mm. and all may live from sin set free and walk with you lord thank you help us all to make right choices this week
1: lord every one of us mm.